Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. Cultural engagement is a critical aspect of church planting. The cities, towns, and villages we establish new churches in each have their own unique attitudes, values, and practices. These shared beliefs and habits are what define their culture. As men and women committed to drawing people away from worldliness and toward godliness, knowing how to wisely engage with others about their attitudes and actions is essential. How do we equip Christians to think and speak about culture in a way that plugs into a bigger and better reality? the story of King Jesus and his redemptive plans for the world. Dan Strange joins me today on the podcast to discuss church planting and cultural engagement. Dan is the college director at Oak Hill Theological College in London, where he lectures on culture, religion, and public theology. He's a trustee and faculty member of Crosslands. Dan is married to Ellie, and they have seven children. He also serves as an elder at East Finchley Baptist Church. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tony. Great to be with you. Did I get all that right, Dan? That is all correct and all true. You do a lot of stuff, Dan, and you have seven kids. How do you do that? (laughs) Yeah, well, they're spread out. So I've got a, they range from 23 down to seven. So my oldest is a policeman now in central London, and my seven-year-old is not a policeman. Um, We've got a kind of a range of boys and girls in in between. So it's it's a noisy life, but a good life, and we're very thankful to God. I'm so uh, grateful to have Dan on the podcast. I can I can honestly say, hopefully I'm always honestly saying things, but um, <laughs> that that Dan is one of the most delightful human beings you could ever be around. And added to that, whenever Dan enters the room, the smartest man in the room has just entered the room. And so to <laughs> to have the combination of intellect and uh, grace and warmth and gentleness is uh, a beautiful combination and a testimony to God's. Uh, amazing grace uh, in Dr. Strange's life. And uh, we've had opportunity to uh, connect a couple of times at uh, various meetings. And uh, each time I've just went away edified and uh, mentally stimulated as we've talked through training and uh, equipping and education. And so uh, we're going to talk about his new book today, uh, Plugged In, which I have a copy in my hand. Um, Before we we dive into that, uh, just real quick, uh, Dan, let the listeners know a bit about your story. Yeah, so um, I come from a, a mixed race background. My dad was from South America, uh, Guyana, which is the only English speaking country in South America, a little country at the top. And he was one of 10 kids and left the country in the 60s. And um, the, the Guyana was still a British owned colony then. So he ended up in the UK and married my mum. So it was a kind of a mixed race wedding. And uh, um, then they moved to, to London and my dad comes from a kind of a Hindu background. So kind of um, would have been third generation in, indentured slaves coming over from India to Guyana. Um, and that's my dad's background. So my, my gran was uh, was Hindu and there uh, um, everyone's left Guyana now. They're either in Toronto or, or New York. My dad was the only one who came to London and then married my mum. And then my mum's a believer. Uh, so she went to a very high kind of Anglican church, but there wasn't any kids work there. So we ended up going to the Baptist church and uh, th- there's a uniformed organization in the UK called the Boys Brigade. 
and uh, uh, which uh, was very good for me. And they did loads of sport and I loved the social um, occasion. Um, and then it was through that ministry that I got converted. And uh, um, yeah, and then I suppose after I was converted and it was, a, you know, it was a it was a it was a kind of on my knees, recognizing the, the need for Jesus in the minister's study, pouring my heart out. Uh, I've always been pretty quite inquisitive and because of my dad's background, being interested in, in other religions. So I went to Bristol University, which is a um, city in the UK, and did an undergraduate degree in theology and religious studies, which was terrible, as in very, very liberal. But then I'd, I'd become kind of evangelical. And then I suppose I, be, I became much more reformed, stayed on to do a PhD there, looking at the question of the unevangelized, what happens to people who never hear the gospel, and looking at a particular Canadian theologian, some of you may have heard of him, called Clark Pinnock. And so I did that for three years. Um, and then I did student ministry for the 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 um, UK, uh, the US equivalent of InterVarsity, so the UCCF. So I, I only work with theological students up and down the country, trying to encourage them to be um, to stay faithful, keep to the pattern of sound teaching during their studies. And then I got called to Oak Hill and I've been on the faculty there for 15 years. And the last five or six years, I've, I've had various roles. I was the academic um, vice principal, then the acting principal. Now I'm, I'm the director. So I've, I've been much involved with leadership. But it's been great to be involved with Crosslands right from the beginning when that got started. And that's a very exciting project that I'm increasingly uh, um, been in, in, involved with. So that's the story, really. Um, Sinner Saved mm -hmm. by Grace, but always really, really been interested in re really been interested in culture and other religions. And I suppose that's there's an inquisitive part of me that wants to ask those kinds of questions and say, how do we apply uh, the Lordship of Christ to everything that we do? Yeah, I want to talk about that some more. Um, I've, I think it's wonderful that you have all of these interests in the in the academy and in research, but you're also an elder at your church. Um, yeah, and, and you, yeah, you have so, been for yeah. some time, right? Yeah, so East Finchley Baptist Church is a church that's about 125 years old. Um, we're a very small church, a very multicultural church in East London, which is kind of a, 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 a part of North London. Um, so um, I'm I'm one elder. The other elder is also the pastor. So really, it's just the two of us. Um, we're trying to trying to get some more men on on, on board, um, but we're yeah a very small congregation, very multicultural, a uh, lot of generations, reflective of kind of wh where we are in North London. But that's a real joy because you know you know it's like teaching at a theological college, um, being very involved in a local church, regular ministry, teaching, preaching. It does keep you grounded and uh, yeah keeps your feet on on the ground. And it's been a joy uh, serving there really since we since we uh, landed in in London. London. So I've, mm. I've been involved with that church for 15, 16 years now. How often do you preach and teach there, Dan? Yeah, so probably I'm teaching, uh, preaching probably once every five or six weeks. I'm leading a lot of the time uh, the, during the services, um, leading home groups and just, yeah, with, with just uh, the two of us. Uh, pastoral responsibilities uh, as well um it's kind of because I, I still teach and work and lead in a residential theological college we are a christian community there so there's a kind of pastoral responsibilities that that, that i've got there uh, as well so um again a kind of a, a busy life between church family and college but um keeps me out of trouble and you're, you're trying to educate some of your own kids right now during covid uh online correct yeah i was just saying to you beforehand i mean we've got Two of our teenage girls who have got a lot of work from school and, you know, they've been really diligent in just getting on with it. Our seven year old does his school work in about five minutes at nine o'clock in the morning and then you're working out what you do with him. Uh, and then we've got, yeah, we've got various kids at various ages. So, yeah, it's been I mean, it's been, you know, it's been hard. It's been hard, but 
um it's been it's been a great family time and um yeah and you know i think the kids at the moment the schools are opening but again they're they're a little bit vague at the moment we've been getting some emails about what quite it's going to be like in the next few weeks Mm. uh, as it Mm. is for for everyone and right now you're currently on study study leave right yeah, so I'm just about to start study leave. I haven't had study leave for, for a few years. So, um, yeah, I'm teaching one course at Oak Hill, but I'll be on study leave for the rest of the time. Planning two projects. So this book plugged in, which we're going to talk about. I'm planning a sequel to that, um, uh, which will be uh, some more tools for cultural engagement, taking it to another level of kind of practical. How do you do this? And I've got some particular thoughts on that. And then continuing my work, my academic work in looking at Christian responses to other other religions, and um, I'm going to be doing a, just um, I'm going to got a contract for with IVP UK to do a bigger academic work on religious studies and how do we properly study other religions. And my argument will be that we can only do that from a theological, a, a Christian point of view. So it's trying to get at the idea that you can study any religion neutrally and that even the term religion is a kind of a, um, a Western construct that needs to be kind of uh, dealt with. So that's continuing that academic work. So a popular book and a more academic book, hopefully get both of those drafted by uh, this time next year. Mm. That sounds excellent. Um, so plugged in, um, Tim Keller says there there really is nothing else like this book. Um, high praise from uh, Tim Keller as you talk about how we engage our culture uh, wisely. Uh, the small little book, uh, excellent book, uh, uh, published by our friends at the Good Book Company. Um, I think my personal favorite part of this book, Dan, is when you quoted uh, the show The A Team. I love it when the plan comes together. <laughs> Did you watch that show? Of course, yeah. I'm a ch- I'm a child of the '80s. Yeah, and a- as you get older, you realise people of your generation. You know, we 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 were brought up on those American shows, so we we love them all. And, yes, and the yes. A Team was a, was a, a personal favourite. I mean, Saturday tea time, sitting down to watch the A Team, yes. and um, great fun. When I was in re- uh, recess in grade school, we played the A team, and I was always Hannibal, and I, I devised the plan. And so I, you know, yeah, exactly. had my imaginary and cigar, and, and uh, you, I love it when a plan comes together. And you had a kind of like, you know, um, a, um, a washing up brush and a toilet roll, and you made a tank out of it. I mean, it was just kind of that, those amazing inventions that they did. It was just brilliant. So yeah, they were they were brilliant. Uh, I'm impressed by that. So talk to us about uh, what is cultural engagement. Uh, you know, why is it important and some of the key principles in this book. Yeah, so um, the book came out of really 10 years of doing a course at Oak Hill. So Oak Hill is a seminary, it's training pastors. But um, uh, I want pastors to be culturally engaged to then train their the people in their churches. And that course has developed. And one of the things that um, we try and do is look at a theological basis for cultural engagement and then get them to do it themselves. So in Plugged In, at the end of the book, as you'll know, you've, there's a it's a great section where it's not me, it's my students, some of the best essays that they've written, one's on adult colouring books, one's on zombies, one's on Japanese toilets, one's on bird watching. And the idea there is that everything that we do as human beings has religious significance. It's always pointing towards a way of viewing the world. We look at it through a a worldview. We are either forming creation or being formed by it. Um, One John at the end, doesn't it? It says, keep yourself some idols. That's the last thing John wants us to know. And we need to know what idolatry is, how it works. And um, are we are we creating culture for God's glory or not? You know, God gives Adam and Eve a mandate, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. 
Um, if we don't do it um, for God's glory, we're doing it for some other God or for some other goal. And so we need to be savvy about that. And Plugged In really gives some, at a very accessible level, I I hope, some biblical rationale as to why we need to engage with culture, but then some practical tools as to how we engage with culture. Um, of course, looking at some classic passages like Acts 17 and 1 Corinthians, but it's meant to be a very practical book. And my goal is, my aim is that people in churches would get together having read the book and, you know, every you know, couple of months coming together and saying, OK, let's apply the kind of stages of cultural engagement that we use in the book. Um, and that they people in their own discipleship but also in their evangelism and engagement um there'd be real growth in both of those areas so I mean, that that was the purpose uh, of, of the book mm -hmm. now give the listeners a little feel for you mentioned adult coloring books how how, how is this particular example uh yeah, how does it reflect yeah, your principles yeah. Well, this was a student. I mean, I don't know whether you have that this phenomena in the States, but a few years ago, I mean, it's very much linked to mindfulness, uh, that kind of movement and the philosophy and the psychological kind of what's going on with the whole idea of, of mindfulness. Also, it's interesting, um, not just the fat, not just the kind of the stuff about the mindfulness in terms of focusing on the coloring, but also a lot of the pictures that people that in, in the UK you buy are a kind of Edenic kind of idyllic scenes, which have all kind of significance about where they want to, those pictures want to take you to a kind of a picture of Eden. And it's, a, you know, it's part of that bigger, um, not not simply escapism or distraction, but I think the way that we're built with eternity in, in our hearts and that longing for home which I do think the gospel, of course, plug, uh, plugs into, obviously. Um, so th that was a, a, a very good essay, getting really deep into what was behind those books um, mm -hmm. and, and, and the content of them. And then th the other one you mentioned, I mean, one of my favorite essays, it was a long time ago now, was this one on Japanese toilets. So this was a, a British uh, missionary who's been working in Japan. And Japanese toilets are amazing because they have like they're technologically incredibly sophisticated. They've got buttons for absolutely everything. But at the same time, there's a real um, Shinto kind of Feng Shui kind of uh, um, philosophy behind them. And it's all to do with cleanliness and dirt. When, when there's been a, when, a, when a house is um, torn down in Japan, the first thing that the priest will do will go to the go to where the bathroom was because of the cleanliness issue. So you've got this real mix of religion and shinto and technology and you know what i want to say to students is look it's just a toilet but it has so much significance um mm. and if that's the case in a in a in a cross-cultural situation maybe that's not the same for us we probably have a more utility utilitarian view but there's all kinds of things that we do that we think are just normal and mundane but actually they have a lot of significance to them Mm. Uh, it's just fascinating. So you're looking at things people do ordinarily and asking some theological, uh, I guess, worldview kind of questions. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, right. and all of that's rooted in a in a kind of a um, a deep understanding of creation. I mean, in some ways, everything that I am doing in the book is just playing out. And here I'm going to give the big the big plug plug for Acts 29. Here, it's everything about theological clarity, cultural engagement, and missional innovation. How do we? apply the lordship of christ and again the thing that i'm most against is this kind of a sacred sacred secular divide and how do we have a really good robust doctrine of creation a really robust understanding of sin and what the gospel does in terms of transformation not just of an individual life but of 
households, families and even cultures. And what what does it mean to apply Christ's lordship to absolutely everything? You know, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So that's been my my big uh, passion. And it comes from a kind of a big, um, big reformed understanding um, influenced by some of the neo-Calvinists, but all all kinds of others as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you talk about some responses that Christians often take, like uh, looking in on culture, uh, lashing out uh, about culture or looking like culture. You want to speak to those problems? Yeah, I think they were just three um, uh, fairly memorable ways of of different reactions that evangelical Christians have to engagement with culture. So the first is kind of looking in. It's kind of the you know, holding hands in a holy huddle, praying for Jesus to come again and closing our eyes and thinking, please go away, which I don't think is a very sensible option. In fact, it's impossible because as I point out in the book, we can't escape culture. Even the idea of engaging culture, we're just we're cultural beings. Mm -hmm. Even if we the the way that we hold hands and sit and the furniture we sit on in our holy huddle is making a cultural statement. Mm -hmm. So we can't escape it. So and I don't think that's a very good strategy. I think the lashing out is more. We get very upset and red faced and we know something's wrong and we're very angry about it. But the way that we conduct ourselves, you know, we can win the argument and lose the person. Mm -hmm. And then the other is just a cop out. It's just a look look like the world. We think this is too hard. Why don't we just do what everyone else is doing? And I think all those responses are not helpful and they're not biblical responses. So the idea of engagement is 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 looking out, but also um, in a way that is winsome but still recognizes the confrontational nature of the gospel and i suppose that's the big idea of the book that the gospel of jesus christ always confronts culture but it also connects to it at the same time and so a lot of the chapters are just trying to tease out using biblical examples and some theological work as to how the gospel both confronts and connects at the same time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think that's huge just the idea of having a point of contact with with people uh, in culture, but then bringing that point of conflict uh, that the gospel brings. Uh, and you give some really good practical uh, ways to, to think through that. I'm just thinking about the one lashing out. It's so prevalent, I think, in our in my particular context right now. Uh, there's so much hostility and so much vitriol over all things politics and otherwise. And but so there's a lot of, uh, I guess, deconstruction, but not a lot of uh, positive construction, solution, uh, gospel yeah, solution. Yeah. They just recognize the problems and throw grenades, yeah. right? Um, but and, what you're talking about where, is a winsomeness and a warmth. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I think Chris, different different Christian, I mean, that's one of the great things about a global network like Acts 29, different um pastors and lead uh, church planters need to listen to each other because i i think historically in the uk in the scene where i am i i gave a paper in the states a few years ago and my big argument was actually christians in the uk they need to understand that we're in a battle war and some an american came up to me and said look we've been trying to get away from these cultural ideas and i understand that in your context in my context often i've been wanting to say to the conservative evangelical church wake up you are in a battle this is this is you know there's spiritual reality is here you need to be fighting for this so i think we kind of need to learn from each other probably um mm-hmm. but that's one of the great things about the, the global church isn't it it's about listening and knowing where our our weak spots are our blind spots um and you know in some of the contexts that we've started to be in in terms of talking about um different acts 29 cultures across the world how mm-hmm. we can help each other and that everyone can um 
edify e- each other because if you're only in your little cultural bubble you don't often see your blind spots exactly exactly and it's amazing how i view my culture after i step out of my culture into another one yeah um, yeah and you, you begin to see some some problems there um so we, you mentioned some of this in terms of uh idea and and theory but some changes that we could make to better engage our culture any any yeah. practical suggestions i i think sometimes we can overthink things so um I, I, it's really important that um, as planters, especially going into a new area, that we are listening and we're kind of listening to the culture around us. We're making friends with non-Christians. We're befriending people. But I don't, I, I think sometimes we might be um, worried that we kind of have to have a sociology PhD to be able to do anything. And that's not the case. I mean, in my lectures, I talk about the difference between, look, every, there's per. Every di- dif- every person is different and they need to be engaged in a different way. Every culture is different. So we need to understand there's a cultural variability. But there's also what I'd call a humanity constant, as in the, the next book project I'm, I'm working on. There's a, a, one of my big heroes is this Dutch missiologist called J.H. Bavink. He was the nephew of Herman Bavink, who you might have heard of if you come from the reform community. Anyway, J.H. was a he served in, in Indonesia and he he looked at a load of other religions and he said, look, at the end of the day, all human beings have what he calls these magnetic points. There's kind of the same questions that people ask. And what my next book is trying to fill that out, not just about other religions, but with in secular culture as well. There are certain issues and problems that all people raise. And I think if we know that the because we our ultimate authority is the Bible, if we're armed with those kinds of questions, but we're listening carefully to the culture, then we can put those two things together. So you don't have to be, you know, we don't all have to be Tim Keller. We don't all have to be James Davidson Hunter or, you know, all of these people. We do need to listen carefully. We do need to be relational and we do need a good, solid theological anthropology. That's why the the rigorous theological training is so important, because it gives us the tools um, uh, to know, OK, yeah, we're all made in the image of God. We all ask these same questions. We all suppress the truth. We all suppress the truth in different ways. How do we confront and connect Christ? So um, really, some some of the best things that we can do in terms of a th- cultural engagement is having a good, solid theological anthropology and just listening to the culture around us. Where are the where are the points that we can confront and connect? Just as Paul does. Remember, Paul in Athens, he said, I've wandered around your objects of worship. As you go into a new place, if you're going to plant a church, where are the objects of worship? Now, they might not be a big statue called the unknown God, um, if that statue hasn't been pulled down or something. But um, it might be all kinds of things, you know, um, what? So I would I would I would say you need to go around and see what are the objects of worship in our kind of even our what we call our secular or increasingly post-Christian country. Um, and I think, you know, as I always say to my brothers and sisters in the States, um, I still think that you are you you are still living in a kind of Christianized country. But you know that things are changing um, and increasingly you will be secularized in that way. But it's not not religious it's still very religious because we are religious beings it's just knowing where to look um and that's the important thing it's having eyes to see where are the where where the people who you're befriending what do they put their trust in what are their ultimate commitments who do they look to why do they get up in the morning these are all deep you know humanity questions that everyone asks and Mm -hmm. there how do we apply the gospel 
Yeah, so I'm thinking about church planters out there, and if they're going to move from, uh, say, North Carolina to uh, Portland, Oregon, um, it's it's a different culture, right? So, what would you your advice to the church planter would be, um, um, you know, get to Portland, uh, talk, listen, read. Don't just take a particular, you know, strategy of of church planting uh, that you know, f- may have fit your area in yeah. one I mean, part you, of America. You know, but, a, but... a mutual friend of ours, Reuben Hunter, planted mm-hmm. a church in uh, in West London. I mean, he was he, he was there a year. He was on the ground a year, making relationships, checking out the area, working out how, how things worked. And, you know, you can't just talk about culture. Every culture is a microculture, and it's the same uh, within cities and then parts of cities and then little districts and then streets. Um, everything has its own kind of uh, f- flavor, but don't again, don't overthink it because I, I, I think you could just be- then become paralyzed and think, oh man, I, I don't know enough. But you know, we 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 do have that those theological bases and those key questions that that that, that people ask, hmm. and then it's finding, yeah, where can we where can we confront? Where can just as Paul did. I see that you're very religious. You've got this unknown God, and now I'm going to proclaim Christ to you. We'll find out where the objects of worship are in that community you're in, and then say from here I'm going to I'm going to get to Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, for church planters, other other things uh, that you would recommend for them in terms of cultural engagement? I'm thinking perhaps uh, how this relates maybe to preaching. Um, uh, how you know maybe in, in the way you do application. Uh, your thoughts on just more yeah. practical yeah. suggestions for church planters. I mean, I still think that sometimes, I mean, in our in our context, we're not we're sometimes not very good at application, especially if you come from a very kind of strong, as I do, kind of expository ministry point of view. But I think we need to work on application as much as we do as exegesis mm-hmm. and being very granular. And again, know your it's, I mean, it's all basics, isn't it? It's know your congregation. You you've God's given you these people. You know where the pressure points are. You know how they need to be built up. Um, and so you can apply that um, very specifically. Now, of course, you always have to make choices. I mean, this is one of the things, you know, I'm I'm very blessed to be in a very multicultural church. But it does mean that some cultural things, you know, we talked about the A team or whatever, because we're probably roughly of the same generation, even though we're from different countries. We probably watch the same TV. But I know I've got people from all over the world who've never heard, you know, I've, uh, our church at East Finchley. I gave up giving film illustrations years ago because I've got so many different people from different backgrounds. Now, you have to make decisions. You can't be all things to all people. But I think, it again, it's been wise in how you apply. And again, you do go back to some basic ideas. So, you know, things on the family or those things where, you know, there's going to be a lot of buy in from lots of people. You can't you can't. Um, you can't give laser application all the time to everyone. You have to make choices. But I still think you you can think that through carefully. And again, yeah, how how is what you're preaching on? How is it going to deal with the idols? Can I give a quick example? Um, sure. I've, I've just done my latest Themelios editorial on this. Um, which I, I've been during COVID. I've been really struck by Psalm 92. And go and read it in your quiet time. It's an amazing psalm. But the middle of the psalm says, uh, "But you, O Lord, are exalted forever." And the main point I'm making there is, um, in the Psalms, when you have a statement like that, it's not simply a kind of a pretty praise verse. "You, O Lord, are exalted forever." It's saying, "You, Lord, alone, and not any other God, are exalted forever." And so when we come together, what we're doing is we're praising God. But we're also saying, as Walter Brueggemann says, you know, down, down with the other gods. And our job as 
pastors and leaders every week when people have come in and they've been kind of offered all kinds of gods during the week or all kinds of loyalties is to bring people back to say you O lord are exalted forever and to send people out and part of that is a polemic against the other gods and we and but to do that we need to name those other gods it's no point in generically saying it we need to call out the gods in our culture and the gods in my culture in the uk will be different from yours in the states will be different from those in malaysia will be those that are different in australia and um, we we need to know what those gods are um mm. and that's why i think we need to be very specific and that's why we do cultural work mm-hmm. and and that kind of preaching uh demands courage right yeah definitely definitely and and it also demands recognizing that um um we're careful that we're not going to bind people's consciences, especially when it comes to very, very kind of political issues. Mm-hmm. But I do think we need to be saying things on on key issues and key um, I- idols that exist at a cultural level and at an individual level as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. But realizing that we're cultural beings. And again, this big idea that we're either shaping culture or we're being shaped by it. There, there is no middle ground there. Mm. Amen. 30 minutes flies by with Dan Strange. Um, <laughs> final question, Dan, uh, some resources maybe you would suggest other than your yeah. book plugged in uh, yeah, of for course. guys who uh, want to grow in cultural engagement? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, I, I, I find Tim Keller helpful again. Um, I mean, in a U.S. context, probably even more so. This guy, J.H. Bavink, very helpful. His book on religious consciousness is, is well worth hunting down. Um, two other things that might be interesting. Um, a guy called Ted Turnow, who's an American, did his PhD at Westminster with Bill Edgar. He now is a, he's a missionary in the Czech Republic. He wrote a book a few years for PNR, by PNR called Popologetics. He's, he really is the pop culture guru of the reform world. He's brilliant, good friend of mine. He's right, currently writing a book on imagination. Uh, well worth getting that book. A lot of similar themes to mine. And then one more theological book that I found really helpful is a British guy who teaches in, in Australia, a guy called Chris Watkin. And he's written a book with, by, with PNR called Thinking Through Creation. And it takes Genesis 1 to 11 and it just shows... Some key kind of fundamental themes of how we live, Christian social theory and how we need to get deep into a culture's uh, text, I suppose, and understand how the Bible, again, this this idea that I develop in Plugged In, subversively fulfill. How do we kind of break through some of the the either wars that we see in in culture all, all the time? That I found that a really helpful book in terms of worldview. I'd recommend that book. Chris Watkin, Christopher Watkin, Thinking Through Creation. Excellent. Excellent. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your labor, your research. Uh, these guys who research and write uh, like Dan, it's often a, a lonely, thankless uh, you know, <laughs> uh, work that they do, even though it's also edifying, I'm sure, uh, uh, for your own soul. But uh, thank you, man. Well, yeah, I, as I said, I've got nine in my household, so it's never lonely. In fact, <laughs> I oath to be a bit more lonely sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> I understand you, man. I only have five, but I understand (laughs) that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until next time, my friend. um, Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Tony. Bye, everyone.